0: Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 tonight I have a, a lesson that may not involve uh, a lot of preaching although it could but tonight I want to teach for a few moments and I believe that God is going to help us tonight I'm going to start with the Lord's Prayer but then we're going to move out and I would like to use actually one verse from that but let's just pray the Lord's Prayer together put it up on the wall for us Brother Patrick would you read with me and let's read it out loud after this manner therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen I want to share with you tonight our lesson is going to be from these words thy will be done And tonight, I'm going to give you seven rules to help you to do the will of God. I think it's more important than anything else that we do is that we live in the will of God. And so I'm going to give you seven rules that will help you be in the will of God, get in the will of God, and stay in the will of God. Are you okay with that? praise God now let's pray together Lord Jesus I worship you and I praise you Lord I thank you for every man and woman that's here tonight I thank you Lord for the children and power hour I thank you for the young people in Bible quizzing I thank you Lord for all that you're doing you're a wonderful and a gracious God and we give you praise now in the mighty name of Jesus anoint my lips anoint my eyes anoint my ears to hear anoint my heart to understand and anoint these people O God I pray with that same anointing in the mighty name of Jesus we pray Amen God bless you hallelujah I pray tonight that you can receive this lesson from God's Word into your spirit and into your heart this is very possibly the most important lesson to be learned to walk in the will of God and so I'm gonna endeavor tonight to share with you what I felt the Lord shared with me you see walking out of God's will in your life will bring catastrophic results it causes great damage and needless suffering not only to you as an individual but also to your family. Walking out of the will of God is is a damaging thing for you but it's also damaging for your family and your close friends. The line would be almost endless tonight if everybody from Adam until now were to line up and testify of the great sorrow to themselves and to their loved ones that came as a direct result of walking outside of the will of God for their lives. If I could bring the prophet Jonah before you tonight, he would testify that not obeying and walking in the will of God is of utmost importance, he would say, if you want to steer clear of storms. If I could bring the prophet Balaam, To this pulpit, he would tell you, above all else, above all else, do what God originally told you to do. No changes. He would say, above all else, do what God originally told you to do. Even if you want what is being offered really badly. Or if it seems like you might lose a pile of money. Or prestige. Stay with what God originally told you. If I could bring the young man of God out of Judah, who cried against Jerusalem's altar in Bethel, who saw the arm of Jeroboam, king of Israel, dry up and stiffen when Jeroboam attempted to have him captured and seized. And the word of God said in First Kings 13, the altar also was rent. And the ashes poured from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. If you could talk to this young, unnamed man of God, he would say, when God gives you a mission, stay with it. Amen. That would be his message. When God gives you a mission, stay with it. Complete the mission. If God were to allow King Saul to testify tonight, he would say, Even if you are a God anointed king be sure to do the will of God totally and completely if you want to end well. Because remember Saul did the will of God he just didn't do it completely. So he would say make sure you do the will of God completely so I've brought a word picture if you're listening into your mine tonight. Jonah would say you can avoid storms by doing the will of God. Balaam would say stay with what God originally told you if you want to do the will of God. The young man from uh, Judah who prophesied against Jeroboam's altar would say be sure that you stay with the mission until it's complete. And Saul would say make sure you do the will of God totally and completely so that you can end well our lord jesus is our great teacher and he's our great example and he said pray this pray what he said pray thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven he taught us that we need to pray every day we need to pray for the will of god to be done in earth Right now, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray for our nation. God, our nation's in trouble right now. I pray for our nation. I pray for those that, that you've placed in places of leadership that you remove the chaos and the confusion and that you would cause our nation, oh God, to turn back to you and leaders to lead. I pray, oh God, in the name of Jesus. So Jesus taught us that we are to pray thy will be done. In other words, don't presume, pray. Don't just presume that the will of God's being done. Pray that the will of God be done. And then in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus set the perfect example. First of all, he told us before that to pray thy will be done. And then in his intense time at the garden of gethsemane he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying oh my father if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as i will but as thou wilt he didn't just tell us to pray the will of god be done he as a man prayed if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the, the, unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time, and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it. Notice what he says thy will be done there are some things that do not appeal to the flesh i'll never forget several years ago i was preaching somewhere i won't tell you where and in the early hours of the morning the pastor walked into my room and he said to me that god showed him that my head was going to be crushed now that didn't sound like a very good dream to me and I looked up at him and I'm still laying in bed it's early in the morning I looked up at him and I said the will of God be done and later I was to realize what that dream actually meant had nothing to do with my physical head being crushed but I understood later what the Lord had spoken to him about oh my father yet this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it thy will be done so here I am I'm going to share with you seven rules are you ready? I won't be very long won't take me very long at all so rule number one pray sincerely for the will of God to be done in your life in the decisions you make and the direction you take so we've just covered that one you didn't know it but I've already covered rule number one pray every day thy will be done and when you pray pray that God would help you to make the right decisions and go in the right direction so very important rule number two God's will never violates God's word now I'm not against using self-help books and and I'm not against God knows we all need the, the biggest room in the world is room for improvement but what I'm giving you today I did not get out of any book I sat and I meditated upon God and after 40 years of pastoring here These thoughts begin to come to me. And the rule number two was God's will never violates God's word. In other words, if God's word says something is wrong, it's it's wrong no matter how you feel about it. It is not a viable alternative. If the word of God says, do not do this, then you do not do it. Simple and plain. If God's Word, on the other hand, commands you to do something, you do what God's Word says to do. To be in the will of God, number one, pray for the will of God every day. Number two, remember, God's will never violates God's Word. So if something is telling you, do this particular thing, and yet it's in opposition to To the written word of god then you know that that voice you're hearing is not god at all and you may remember many years ago the story being told of the pentecostal preacher trying to convert a mormon and a mormon trying to convert the pentecostal preacher and so they agreed to exchange books and they both agreed they would read each other's book through i think three times And so the pentecostal preacher said he was sitting in his living room and he was darting through the second time of the book of mormons when a voice spoke it it shook him it spoke out loud and said this is the way my son walk in it he was shaken to the core and then he thought i better see who's talking i adjure you in the name of jesus tell me your name and he said that a a laughter filled the room uh, and a voice said I am Moroni a fallen angel come into the world to deceive the hearts of men anytime something tells you to do something that is outside of the Word of God that goes against the principles of God's Word i don't care how strongly you feel it i don't even care if you were talking in tongues that is not the will of god are you still with me it is never the will of god to violate to walk away from the truth of god's word even if it's a seemingly good cause You're going to walk in the will of god i'll tell you what you better get a love and i think you do but have a love for the word of god have a love for the truth or you will be deceived if you don't have a love for the truth and remember this in this day the devil more than likely when he comes against you will not come offering you something that is obviously evil most usually he's going to come offering you something that seems like it's good just a slightly different take on the apostolic faith it's wednesday night i'm just kind of plowing with the plow going slow right now might pick up in a minute but right now we're just plowing beware you see, not once, but twice, the Holy Scriptures declare first in Proverbs 14, 12, and then repeated verbatim in Proverbs sixteen twenty five. And here's what it says. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death beware because in this last day as we race toward the rapture what is more likely to get you is something that looks like it's pretty good it just violates a little bit of the truth it's just a little different than what the word of God said it doesn't quite require everything that the word of God said is required but hey they're decent and good people and so why not I will tell you that God's laws last longer than those who break them rule number three beware of making impulsive decisions while in a stressful situation now Dr. Anderson I see you grinning from ear to ear and you know exactly I I knew exactly why you started grinning Because one day I stood beside your hospital bed. And you looked at me after having some major medical issues that I believe at that time included a heart attack. Not quite sure, maybe it wasn't. Who am I to say? I don't know. You're the doctor. And he looks up at me. Is this okay or should I shut up now? You okay? Oh, okay, just checking. So what's he going to say? 200 people are watching him see what he's going to say. You know? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Shoot me in the head. So uh, he said, I decided I'm going to sell my business. I mean, it was like immediate, boom. I said, no, 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 no. Remember that? Not now you're not. You wait until you're home and you're feeling well and everything's going well and then if you feel to sell your business you sell it. One thing I love about Dr. Anderson is even though he's a very educated man he has a humble spirit and he didn't get all up in a huff and say well who do you think you are anyway? He took my advice. He did not try to sell the business at that time later he would sell it i guess although he's still in business i'm not sure how that all worked but anyway <laughs> he took the counsel and the counsel is this beware of making impulsive decisions when you're in a stressful situation now let me give you a biblical example There's a guy in the book of Judges. He was the ninth judge of Israel. His name was Jephthah. He was about to lead the armies of Israel into battle against the armies of Ammon. He was a good man, but it was... My God, you talk about stress. He was under stress. He was ready to go into combat and... and Everybody wasn't really united like they should be, and it was, it was just a very stressful situation. People that at one time made fun of him now were asking him to be the military leader. And in a moment of deep stress, Jephthah made a rash vow. And he promised that in exchange for victory in battle, he would offer offer up as a sacrifice the first thing that would come out of his house to meet him if he returned in peace and in victory. It was a stressful moment. He wasn't thinking straight. He had lots of things going on. And he said, God, if you'll bring me home victoriously, I will offer whatever comes out of my door I guess he was hoping it would be Gizmo. Now my, ma- my, my, my wife's mad at me now. I got Dr. Edison and Sister Stoops. I don't know what he was thinking, because what's going to come? A chair isn't going to come flying out of your house. It had to be something living. But see, when you're in a stressful situation, you're not always thinking like you should be. And that is not the time to make a life decision. That later you will regret. When things are stressing out and you're feeling beside yourself just wait on the Lord. Don't try to make a, a very, very difficult decision when you are feeling really stressed out. That's right. Reach. Thank you. <laughs> so guess what? The Lord delivered Jephthah and God delivered Ammon's army into his hands. And he come back and said, Man, the pressure's off now. Let's celebrate, celebrate. He's coming home. He's feeling like a million bucks because he has just had this wonderful victory. And when he returned home, his daughter, his only child came out to meet him. And his smile fell. And he tore his clothing in distress, as he realized the terrible rashness of his vow. And the text seems to indicate that Jephthah followed through on his vow. Do not make life decisions when you are under lots of stress. Here's what the Bible says, Isaiah and 29. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Wait upon Him. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So rule number three, remember, I'm trying to give these to you as I felt the Lord give them to me. Rule number four, seek godly counsel that God has placed in your life when facing a life decision. Seek godly counsel. Notice the key word, well, two key words. Number one, godly. Number two, counsel. I'm reminded in the word of God in Proverbs chapter 11 verse 14 it says where no counsel is the people fall but in the multitude of counselors there is safety right seek godly counsel that God has placed in your life wouldn't it be a foolish thing to get into the pilot seat of an aircraft start the engine and push the throttle full forward without first getting some instruction what are you a terrorist or something you don't need to know how to land just how to take off (laughs) what goes up must come down this is not going to be good folks there was a young news photographer who was ordered by his editor to go quickly over to the local airport where there was a plane rented and a pilot waiting to take him up so he could get a picture of a large business that had caught on fire and was burning. The editor thought the picture would make a great front page for tomorrow's paper. So the young photographer raced to the airport, ran up to a small single-engine aircraft. The pilot was already on board. He jumped in, put on his seatbelt, and said, let's go. They took off, and he said, now, if uh, you'll put us over the 15th Street Bridge, I'll get a front-page picture for tomorrow's paper. And there was silence. And finally the young man sitting beside him said, You mean you're not my instructor? (laughs) Pastor, is that just a funny story? No, not for you it's not don't mistake a student for an instructor we're in this game for keeps we've got to make it to heaven the counsel that you receive will largely determine how successful you are in being in the will of God and staying in the will of God don't mistake a student for an instructor, the consequences may be fatal. I'll never forget in a training video, I heard the screaming of a voice. And this man was screaming, I don't want to die! I don't want to die! And I I'm going, oh my God, this is terrible. It's an actual recording of a pilot in an airplane that's gotten in over his head. And he's screaming, I don't want to die! Help me! Well, fortunately for him, he did get help. And he did recover. Because there was a calm voice of an air traffic controller that started guiding him. And telling him what to do step by step to get out of his emergency. Oh, I thank God for the counsel that God has given me over the years. I thank God for it. And I'm telling you, everything I'm telling you, I believe is true for myself as well. Seek godly counsel. Seek it. Don't just wait and see you well if if somebody wants to come talk to me. That's not it at all. Seek godly counsel that God has placed in your life. I'm going to say something that's going to make all the spouses happy with me. if you're married and your spouse is living for god and walking in truth you need to take into prayerful account what your spouse is saying to you now it shouldn't be curse god and die type thing you know like Job's wife but if He or she is living for God and serving God, and they speak to you. I want you to remember an individual in New Testament history that we know as Pilate's wife. And she sent to him saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. And I've always told people, if Pilate had listened to his wife, he still wouldn't be trying to wash the blood of Christ off of his hands in hell. But there's safety in the multitude of counsel. Sometimes God places people in our path to say, hold on, wait a minute, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, getting out of the will of God is not fun. a couple years ago I took my wife's boat for a little ride down to Kennebec I had Shane with me he was my spotter (laughs) and we were watching the buoys Mm. laughing and talking a bunch of grandkids in the boat and I don't know how we did it but we We got somehow got out of the channel or else somebody had moved a a channel marker and they told me later that sometimes those markers have been moved. I don't know. I hope that was the case, but I ripped the lower unit out of that boat big time, a big old pool of oil started coming up in the water we went from 20 mile an hour to zero just like that it's amazing the damage that can happen when you get out of the channel what is true for boats is also true for us you can be the best person in the world, but you get out of the channel. it's going to do you some damage. Stay in the channel that God has placed you in. Somebody say, praise God. I want to talk about something else. I told you uh, still on rule number four, so don't get carried away yet. It's four. I want to talk about the godly part of it. You need counsel, but you need godly counsel. King Rehoboam took counsel from his fellow students instead of the wise instructors that counseled his father Solomon. And because he listened to the counsel of students instead of the counsel of an instructor, Israel experienced a costly civil war that many lives were lost, thousands upon thousands. And the course of Israel's history was forever changed. There was a guy in the Bible. How many ever has ever heard of a guy by the name of Amnon? Who was Amnon? Son of David. Say what? Son of David. A son of David. Who said that? Oh, I thought I heard a voice. I was gonna say, yes, Lord. (laughs) It's you, Darius. Okay, good. that's cheating (laughs) son I need to talk to you after service (laughs) so Amnon was a son of David and Amnon was at a time of life where he was being tempted to do something that was horrible I'm not even going to talk about this sin. That, that's not the point tonight. The point is, is that he was being tempted to do something that was absolutely outside of the will of God. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel 13, 3 But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. When the Bible says that Jonadab was a very subtle man, that word subtle means crafty, it means cunning, it means shrewd. Amnon had a friend, and his friend gave him some really bad advice. It was horrible advice. And because it was something that Amnon really wanted, he ignored that it was bad advice. Because it went along with what he wanted. Careful, there are some people who will give you counsel just because it gives them a little bit of brownie points with you. They want to be your bestie. So they'll say, I don't blame you i do the same thing. Haas, i back you up. I'd fight anything but a buzzsaw. And they're, they're, they're telling you that because they want to be your friend and they, they want you to like them so much that they're willing to just go along with your very bad idea. amen because Amnon wanted wanted what he wanted so badly he acted on his friend's advice and did exactly what his friend told him to do and when he did it ruined his life it ruined the life of his sister Tamar It contributed to the ruin of his brother Absalom's life. And it ended with Amnon dead. All because he acted on bad advice. He would have got over the temptation he would have got over it he would have gone on with his life it was a weak time for him it was a, a very weak time but then a friend came along and said well, i don't blame I, I feel that I, I understand how you feel i'll tell you this is what you do and he gave him bad advice he followed the advice he got killed sadly there are people to this day who will seek advice from their friends and their peers and they're very comfortable doing that they will get advice from a TV evangelist that they've never met oh oh did you hear that preacher they're gonna get advice from a TV preacher that they've never met that doesn't even know what they know about the Bible. They're still thinking of God as a them. And you know, he's a him. And they're going to tell you what you need to do for your next step in the will of God for your life. I don't think so. Come on now. There you go. Or they'll get advice from someone who calls themselves, notice, I'm using the words on purpose, calls themselves a prophet. Or calls themselves a prophetess. Mm -hmm. Now folks, listen, I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just telling you that when somebody has to tell me they're a prophet, I know they're not. The Bible said a man's gifts will make room for itself and bring him before kings. You don't have to tell me. If you're a prophet, just just let me find out all on my own. Who said that? Thank you, Brother Roland. There is an assault of hell... Trying to take you out of the will of God for your life. And this pastor standing here tonight, not trying to get you to laugh, but if you do, it's okay. But, and not trying to get you to be sad, but I want you to hear what's going on right now in our world. The devil is trying to get you out of the channel so that your boat will be wrecked. He's trying to get you out of the will of God so that he can destroy you. And so, somebody will come up and say, Yea, I also have heard from the Lord. This is what you need to do. I'm sorry to tell you that in this day, there are still many people who may seek advice from just about everybody and Everything. And these may or may not finally go to inform their pastor or the elder of their decision. By the way, I just wanted you to know we're going to do blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. Is it getting real quiet in here or is it just me? It's quiet. <laughs> I was afraid you'd say that. Ephesians four eleven, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ watch that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. What did he say? You you don't miss this. He said he put these gifts in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and, and teachers that you would henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. He doesn't want you out of the channel. Carried about with every wind of doctrine and by the slight The card up the sleeve trick. And cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Think. Think about it. Okay? I just finished number four. Is that okay, Brother Steve? I only got two more. And then I'll let you wrap it up. Rule number five surrender your will and trust God. Allow him to be the potter. Surrender your will and trust God. Allow him to be the potter. Why are you freaking out for? That's bad English. For what are you freaking out? Pastor, I just don't know how it's going to go. I'm really concerned, you know, this and that. And, and, and I'm really concerned about what's going to happen next month. And, and I'm really concerned about what's happening three months from now. And I'm just so worried. I, I'm going to ruin my whole day worrying about my tomorrows. Chill. Surrender your will. Chill. Chill. Allow him to be the potter. Did you know that you can continually ask God for something that is out of his will until he finally says, yes. Did you know you could do that? You can pester God. Hey, God. Hey, God. God. You can pester him until God says, yeah, go ahead and do it. This was true of Israel asking for a king Hosea the prophet said in chapter 13 verse 11 one sentence I gave thee a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath God said no you don't that's not what you need they said God I really I really want this God I want it and God says Okay, I'll give you one, but I'm going to give it to you in my anger. This was also true concerning a prophet by the name of Balaam. When the Moabite king Balak asked the prophet to come and curse the children of Israel, Balaam said to the king's messengers, stay here tonight and I will go ask God what I should do. That was good. I'm going to go ask God what I should do. And God gave this very distinct answer. That's amazing to me how God can speak to somebody and one day after God speaks to them they've already gone back to what they God told them not to do. Now I probably should be looking down instead of looking at you but I'm not shy at all right now. I'm concerned about you. I want you to make it all the way home. So God gave him one answer, and it's found in verse 12, Numbers 22. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. That's it. Subjects over. Question has been answered. But after Balaam asked again, after God had said, do not go, the next time he asked, God says in Numbers 22 and 20, if the men come to call, they rise up and go with them. Now he had said in verse 12, thou shalt not go with them, and thou shalt not curse the people. They are blessed. But when Balaam asked again, after getting a direct answer, God said, if the men come to call, they rise up and go with them and then the bible adds this footnote in numbers twenty-two twenty-two, it says and god's anger was kindled because he went what the first time he said no you're not to go but he says God, they're promising me big cash. I mean, this is going to be a, a really lucrative deal, and, and, and I'm going to get prestige, and, and, and my name's going to be in the lights, and, and I'm going to be uh, where... I'm going to be the rhinestone cowboy. I'm going to be where the lights are shining on me. God, please. And God said the men call you you go ahead and go but God's anger was kindled against him because he went I am gonna skip out of that story because we're running out of time but listen to what I want you to hear about this the Bible later records a battle that was fought against the Midianites in which Balaam sided with the Midianites against God's people after God had already told him, do not curse them they're blessed he hears The voice of God after he's continued to ask and God says, go with him, but God's angry with him. And you read just a few chapters later in Numbers chapter 31 and verse eight, it tells us that Balaam was slain by the sword of the people whom he had endeavored to curse. What? In just a few chapters, Balaam is dead, Fred. Why is he dead? Because when God said, Don't go, the first time, he should have said, You know what? There's one thing I know about my God. There's not even a shadow of turning with that guy. Once he says something, it's forever true. Right. Hey, let me tell you about this God. I am the Lord, I change not. Right. Let me tell you about this God. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he should have known, although he didn't have a Bible you should know because when he went back and asked God again after God had said no and God said go God said I'm angry with him and about three chapters later Balaam is dead so rule number five surrender your will and trust God allow him to be the potter you be the clay don't keep Oh, come on. You know, the guy that said, Lord, if it's your will for me to have a donut on my way home from work, was that you, Brother Steve? The guy's on his way home from work. He says, God, if it's your will for me to have a donut on the way home, please provide a parking space in front of the front door of the bakery. And you know, God provided it after he drove seven times around the block (laughs) don't keep asking God for something when God has already given you an answer remember God loves you that's why he says no sometimes God loves you that's why he says do this or do that don't ask God to change it that is not for your good Alright, I'm down to rule number six. We got two more points, and we're out of here. Rule number six. Be patient and wait for God's perfect timing. Sometimes when God promises something, He's not meaning that you're this is gonna to happen tomorrow. Or it's gonna to happen today. You have to trust God's timing. God promised Abraham and Sarah a son when Abraham was 75. But it was not until Abraham was 100 that the son was born. Be patient. Wait for God's perfect timing. And because Abraham and Sarah did not wait on God's timing, they got ahead of God, and what happened? Ishmael was born. When Abraham was 86, about whom the angel of the Lord predicted, Genesis 16 12, talking about Ishmael, and he will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. When they got ahead of God, what happened? Ishmael was born a wild man. His hand was against every man and every man's hand against him. And it was fight, fight, fight. And it's still fighting to this very day. Be patient and wait for God's perfect timing. I've told this story several times, but one day, uh, you remember I was down ministering at our Belfast preaching point. And when I landed in the airplane, something didn't feel right with one of the uh, uh, controls in the aircraft and but I just waved it off as just not something really important and I got out got my Bible and my chart and walked over to the car that was waiting and went and did a Bible study and I came back and and the person said Do you want me to wait I think it was Brother Dan Fortin I said no You don't need to wait. You can go. I forgot already that something hadn't seemed right when I parked that plane. So he drove away and I'm here in Belfast and there's no one around but me and the airplane. And I got in and I did all my stuff and I start to crank the engine and it won't start. And then I remembered, oh. So I got out, got under the airplane looked and there was a a cable that had come unattached. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I'm here stuck in Belfast. No one around. And about that time, a little plane came out of the sky and landed. And the guy walked over and he said, uh, what's going on? And I said, well, my uh, my cable came un- uh, unattached. It's a mixture cable that controls rich and and uh, the fuel flow, rich or lean. And I said, I think I'm just going to reach up there and open that with my finger, leave it wide open and take it home, deal with it at home. He said, don't you do that. When he said that, I knew it was the Lord. I said, okay, I ain't doing it. He said, I'm going to give you a ride home. Now we're in Belfast. He drove me all the way to Augusta. And all the way here, I witnessed to him and his precious wife, don't ever know what happened to them, but I'll always be thankful. They gave me a ride. And then the next day I said to my son, brother Shane, I said, uh, you know, that thing's sitting there. I don't have a rope tying it down. I wasn't expecting to stay. So it it could be flipped over by the wind. Uh, I'm going to take some rope. You want to go with me and help me tie that thing down? He said, sure. And so we drove back. When we get there, we pull up to the airplane, and I'm looking around, and he and I looked, and across the field, there's a fella come walking across the field. I said, well, I'm just going to go say something to him. And so I walked over, and I said, man, the, the mixture cable on the airplane has come unattached. He said, oh, really? Let's take a look at it. I said, are you a aircraft mechanic? He said, yes, I am. If I'd been there, Sister Judy, five minutes before, I would have missed him. If I'd have been there 10 minutes later, he would have gone. He was going to get in his truck and leave. But by sovereign act of God, just a little thing like that, caused me to be at the right place at the right time. And the man went and got his tools, fixed the airplane. I said, how much do I owe you? He said, you don't owe me anything. Just pass it forward. I said, mister, I do that every day. I'm a preacher. I'm going to do something for you right now. And Brother Shane will remember, we put our hands on his shoulders and we begin to pray in the name of Jesus for this man, that God would bless him. I'm telling you that story, although many of you have heard it before. I'm telling you because that's how important timing is. Don't get impatient with God. If you're too early, you're going to miss what God has for you. If you're too late, you're going to miss what God has for you. Let God provide the perfect timing. I still feel the Holy Ghost in here. When it's the right time, God will open the door. You don't have to worry. I have scripture for it. You want to hear the scripture for it? Revelation 3.7 and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write these things saith he that is holy he that is true he that hath the key of David he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth I want you to understand something when it's the right time God will open the door you don't have to kick it down you have to put your shoulder and break the door. When it is time, God says unto you, I am the one with the key of David. David, I open doors that no man can shut. And when God opens a door, you don't have to worry about it. There's nobody big enough and bad enough to shut that door. Verse 8, I know thy works. What did he say? Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, hast kept my word, hast not denied my name. Don't worry. God will open the door, no man can shut it. And finally, the last rule of the evening. Rule number seven. And it's simply a question. How will this decision affect my walk with God? Now, you're about to make a decision. And the last rule of the decision-making process for the will of God is, how will this decision affect my walk with God? this is extremely important for christ said what is it profited what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul always 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 when making a life decision you want to go by these seven rules and the seventh one is very very important how will this decision when I make this decision, how will it affect my walk with God? Will this decision bless my walk with God? That's what you need to ask yourself. Will this decision help me get closer to God? What I'm about to do, is this going to draw me closer to God? Rule number seven also ask you, how will this affect my family Spiritually. What I'm about to do, how is this going to affect my family in their walk with God? I sure hope the man I'm going to talk about right now is not looking. But if you are, I love you. I'm going to tell your story. I'll tell it so generically, though, that you might not even know. I remember a man who was pastoring a church. He had a good amount of success. Great congregation. I preached revivals for him. Beautiful, beautiful building. His children were deeply involved in the church. And then I don't know what happened. He made some bad decisions. Made some bad choices, which resulted in him resigning and moving across country and for a period of time he left the ministry he took on secular work he was a hard worker he knew how to turn a dollar he was gone a lot from home and today all of his children but one are outside of the church he got it back together to return to his calling but much damage was done to the kids tonight's Wednesday night I'm just teaching just just the pastor trying to make sure that everybody gets a fair shake it's very important that you ask that seventh question that seventh rule how will this decision affect my walk with God? Because let me tell you something. If you get a chance to make a million dollars, but you have to have your walk with God hurt in order to do so, you made a bad choice. What would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? That was like, like a dumb trade. so there you have it tonight I brought to you seven rules and I want to close on a positive note in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 you've heard the scripture many times where God said for I know the thoughts that I think toward you saith the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end and then I, I really like the NIV on this one verse. For it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Folks, that's the God I'm talking about tonight. You can really put your trust in Him and He will take, absolutely take care of you. He will lead and guide and direct your steps. The things I've told you tonight are not just something that, oh, I just had to find a Bible study to give you time. No, no, no. I prayed and sought the Lord, and I want you to know that it's time for us to say, thy will be done, seven rules to help me do the will of God. And I think it's wonderful that God has a plan for your life. That if we walk in his plan, his plan will prosper you. I remember the guy, him and his wife were at the edge of divorce. They were both trying to live for God. He said she could spend money like water. and I don't remember what she said. But I remember what the pastor said. Do you pay your tithes? Gulp, gulp. No. Pastor got after this husband and wife and they made a decision. They were going to live in covenant with God. Well, praise God. Sister Marie, are you getting a message from heaven or what? My God, I'm trying to teach a Bible study. It's 25 bucks. She said, leave me alone. man, is filled with hope and you have a bright future. You know, the only way you can blow this, and and I'll explain to you, how many knows what a sailor's dive is? You that have been in church for a long time, you should know. Well, it certainly isn't a sailor's tavern, I'll tell you that. That's pretty good, huh? You like that pun? All right. Get down to this altar, Dick Roach. A sailor's dive is when you straighten your shoulders, lift your head, put your hands down by your side, and you stand on the high dive. Anybody ever been on the high dive? Not the low dive. The high, Anybody ever been on a high dive? My God, you're missing something here. Let me tell you about the high dive. It's higher than it looks. From the ground the board looks this wide from the ground it looks this wide when you're standing on it so you walk out to the edge of the high dive you curl your toes over the end of the board you stand straight like this and you fall like this you not do not bend your knees do not pick up your hands you don't bend at the waist any of those things can cause bad results but if you will stay stiff as a board and fall some of you are going to try it now that I told you about it Okay, you will split the water if you're on the high dive at a ninety degree angle you will be pointed straight down head down and you will cut through the water like a knife but if you go if you go you're going to do a face plant a belly flop you might need a doctor's care The only way you can mess it up is if you freak out and you start doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Do you know how many people I have pastored over the years that freaked out somewhere along the way? And they belly flopped. Some of them recovered and some didn't. If you will trust God, you will land exactly where he wants you to land, in the position you're supposed to be in. And it will work every time, every time. 100% of the time, it will work every time. So thy will be done. Lord, let these seven principles get into our hearts. I pray, Lord, that this wasn't just a, a Wednesday night where we sat and daydreamed about other things. God, there are precious souls here and some of them have, well all of them have someone that's looking to them. All of them have people who are counting on them to be in the will of God. Please God, help that individual to keep the lighthouse light on. Help that individual now to stay in the channel help that individual to trust you and to know that you're working all things out for their good. I rebuke the spirit of anxiety and unbelief, and I welcome the spirit of faith and trust and believe in God. Would you rise with me? I hope this has helped somebody. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God. Seven rules to help you do the will of God. And I was just praying in my office and this stuff started coming to me. And I started typing on the laptop. And I feel a peace right now about what I've shared with you. I feel like it can help you to make heaven your home successfully and to be all that God's called you to be down here would you lift your voices with me if you would receive this would you lift your voices with me right now and would you say Lord thy will be done not my will thy will be done oh God I want your will to be done in my life and today Lord I thank you for the word that you have spoken to us I thank you, Lord God, for the principles of your word, Lord God, that will direct us home. I give you praise, Lord. I give you glory. I give you honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.